Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 30, The Sorcerer. So, The Sorcerer implies, the more I've thought about it, it implies a lot of questions have to be answered about your world. So the first question I'm going to ask you guys is, can anyone in your world become a magic user? Like, become a wizard? Can anyone just try hard enough and be a wizard? Oh, well... With enough talent and spunk. Well, no, because I think that it's... Okay, I think I'm going to jump over Jake's question and address David's and then go back to Jake's. So, (laughs) talent and skill are different things. Talent you're born with, skill you acquire over time. So a wizard is someone who Uh has much skill. And a sorcerer has much talent. Um, so to answer Jake's question, in my world, that would imply that I have a consistent D&D world I'm playing in. Uh, mine is basically uh-huh. just Forgotten Realms right now. So um, you do not have to be born into magic. You can learn it. This explains multiclassing. Okay. Because when I think about it, I, I think of Harry Potter, right? That's for our generation. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, yeah. Wizard, Harry Potter. But when you th- – th- that world implies muggles, and people are born magic users or they're not. So really, yeah. everyone that attends Hogwarts is a sorcerer, like in D&D terms. Oh my gosh, right? you're right. You're Except right. they have to learn spells. Right, they have a base amount of talent. Yeah. and then they. But there's it. some people that can't. Yeah. Like it implies there are some people that no matter how how hard they try, they can never use magic. Huh. Um, and I think, about, I think my world is like that. I think if you're a wizard... You have a little bit of skill or like a little bit of talent inherent and then you can build onto that. Whereas a sorcerer is like magically gifted in the way of like a teenager in X-Men. Okay. Mm, like a mutant power. Right. Like like they have an ability. They have a power that kind of manifests, you know, at various times in their childhood. Um, and then they have to learn to live with it um, and then expand on it from there. Maybe go to, you know, Xavier's school uh, and learn – how to how to harness it and control it but at the same time like yeah it's interesting the sorcerer kind of and magic in general really in any world implies a lot of world building that has to be done beforehand you know because like and and that really is interesting like can like any fighter suddenly multi-class into a sorcerer like i really can't just do that yeah i like your your world jake i think that um i'll probably just copy that because it makes sense. Like, <laughs> if anybody can be a wizard, this is like Syndrome in Incredibles. If everyone is special, then no one is. And I like magic to be a little more rare and unknowable. And we don't know what causes people to, to have magic. Yeah. But yeah. just because... So, I, I disagree with that. Because I think that as a wizard, like, you've spent time studying and reading texts for, like, your whole life to learn this ability. And not everybody has the time and energy and ability to do that. So it inherently so, becomes oh, interesting. more locked in. So knowledge. it makes it more, so it makes it more <laughs> aristocratic, right? Because so, yeah. only oh, the yeah. very yeah. rich can afford to be magicians or be wizards because yep. they they have the time and the the yep. resources to study. Oh, that, that! But see, that creates a whole different world, right? You can't have a small time wizard in that world. That's true. This but, is almost like the upper echelons of society. Um, the 1% have magic and no one else does. But I like magic yeah. being elitist like that, where it's like only special people get oh, it. Oh, interesting. No, so I, Purely like, academic. Neither of you are right or wrong. Like This is just a taste issue. But I, I really, I like both of these ideas a lot. Cause, but it, yeah. it leads to very yeah. different situations and circumstances. So 
so yeah, I'd like to just say to the listener, like before you um, begin your world, uh, make sure you have those questions answered, right? Like, can anyone be a wizard? Um, even for me, I'm trying to answer the question, like if I had a fighter who wanted to multi-class into a sorcerer, it would have to be an event. They couldn't just do it. They would have to like maybe be touched by an angel and then they'd have like the divine soul or maybe they'd have to be they'd survive like a dragon breathing fire on them and they would have a little bit of the draconic bloodline somehow Mm. um right it'd have to manifest it couldn't just be like a light switch like okay now i'm magic hee hee because that wouldn't make (laughs) sense in my world it wouldn't be consistent right and i think that that totally works having a in-world reason for this like you're exposed to some kind of radiation magic a, a magical spider bites yeah. you whatever um that explains why this happens it's not like he woke up one day and he said i'm magic now i'm um sad <laughs> i will it to be <laughs> uh. for me magic user is your talent uh versus skill debate like mm-hmm. both of them have to have a little talent in order to just not be a muggle um yeah. but the sorcerer's talent is more accessible and like inherent whereas the the wizard is more book learned and like this is going to be a long uh intellectual journey ahead this okay so i do have a final thought on that and that was just about um if wizards are the rich um i you know i didn't have to have my my kids toil in the field i put them through a school and now they have some amount of magic this means that any low-level caster is a sorcerer or a warlock which we haven't got to yet Oh, and, and man. I think and that the makes rest, it so... The, the world would know that, right? And the players would know that. Like, oh, we have a guy who says he's a wizard who lives in the woods, but he you know, owns a pet goat and has nothing. He's probably not oh, a he wizard. He could be a druid, too. Oh. That, I, I, hmm. See, I really like that. Because that is a consistent world where, like, yeah, if you meet a guy and he goes, hello, I'm a wizard. It's like this is either a crazy maniac bard trickster magician or this is like a sorcerer pretending to be a wizard but yeah like wizards would have to be this elitist you know one percenter that, that's really interesting I, I like the idea of the people in the world not really knowing or caring about the difference in term between uh wizard and sorcerer and oh that's true they just call everything that's one true. name right like some peasants like <laughs> oh there's um there's a dwarf who lives in the woods and it's not a dwarf, it's like a knoll or a gnome, oh or a kobold, gosh. right? Like, it's something that's that they were wrong, they were mistaken. Um, and I think that even us us knowing the differentiation between different races and classes is something that the, yes. the peasants don't care about. They're a witch! Yes. <laughs> They're a witch. And no, I love that. I, I think we could maybe even do a whole episode on that, like, I don't know, like, how the lower classes respond um, to events or stuff like that. Because in my, I did a Star Wars Edge of the Empire campaign, um, called What If Luke Missed? And it's just kind of going through all of the movies, uh, the original trilogy, like if Luke had died at the end of episode four. Um, really fun. And as I was going through it, they were on this this small kind of outworld, like outer rim planet. Um, and they were talking to some people and the people were like, yeah, the, the Republic has been uh, raising taxes and stuff. Um, and the party's like, no, 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 it's the Empire and we hate them. And like the, the people in the outer room are like, what? Who? This the the troopers still wear white laminate armor. Nothing's changed here. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, it's a good point, right? Like the the switch from the Republic to the Empire in Star Wars. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh um, wouldn't uh, 
like people on the outer rim or people who are just trying to live their lives, they wouldn't care. It wouldn't affect them at all. Like the people still are, you know, the troops are still wearing that white armor. You're not going to notice the difference between a clone trooper and a stormtrooper. It's just the the world goes on. And so, yeah, I really like the grim reality of like the world changes, but people are just trying to live their lives. Yeah, I think it's a common mistake that a lot of GMs fall into where you're, you assume your peasants know and or care <laughs> things about the things that are happening. Yeah. Like, oh, that's uh, the mountain in 1700 years ago. The great, you know, no, they, they don't know yeah, or care. Yeah. Like, I, I got to get my beats, man. <laughs> I just got to pull them out of the ground. <laughs> that sounds like a Rick and Morty character. That'd be 12 <laughs> shekels. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the sorcerer in the D&D game. So this I this might actually be the most recent addition to the game because the sorcerer first appeared in the third edition back in two thousand. Really? Didn't Wait. the warlock appear then too, or was the warlock? It may have. That research will come so when we they're... do the warlock episode. <laughs> True. Interesting. Interesting. But this means that this class is actually younger than any of us. Whoa! Think on that. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, all right, huh. so the the original sorcerer was designed to be a more contemporary spellcaster compared to this old school uh, known as Vancean style wizard, this this class that had existed oh. in the game forever. And so um, they have a smaller selection of spells, and then they have different ways of using them. So um, I, I didn't research enough to know if they used spell points um, or what back then, but they definitely had I a smaller I think they had school. metamagic. And then uh, in fourth edition... They got their own list of spells. Apparently before the sorcerers just had a the, the wizard spell list. Uh, but before they got their own list of spells. And um, also sorcerers had a spell source that they drew their power from. And they also gained resistance to that element. So you would just choose, I believe, one of the elements from the, um, the list. And that was like, I am a fire sorcerer or I am a ice sorcerer. Pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. All right, we're going to go into random table talk and use some of the Xanathar's tables to find out more about our sorcerers. All right. <clears throat> First table we're rolling on is the Arcane Origin table. This is where you came from and how your abilities manifested. So, Jake, roll a d6. All right. Six. Oh, Ooh. I was really hoping you would roll six. Yeah. You were made in a vat what? by an alchemist. Oh, that's so cool. So I imagine that awesome. he was a a clone gone wrong. So he is he was like so let's say the alchemist is trying to make the clone spell where you have like a vat of mm-hmm. like a version of yourself. This is just like he is a copy of that, this alchemist. alchemist. I would say it's a wizard alchemist. Yeah. Um, and so he sees you as a failure and just like ejected oh. you into the world or maybe you escaped before he could destroy you. Um, and this explains your your magic because you came from a, a person who it, you became out of magic, really. Oh, that's so interesting. That's such a weird. You were made in a vat. <laughs> no parents either. Oh, that's perfect cool. for the hermit. And no belly button. Oh, <laughs> no belly button. Well, I will make one. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. Um, next, we're going to roll on your reaction. It says when a new sorcerer enters the world, either at birth or later. Um, the consequences of that event depend greatly on how its witness witnesses react to when they see it. So you stumble out of the wizard's tower in the wilderness, okay. naked, belly buttonless, and afraid. 
Roll a d6. <laughs> All right. That's a four. You came to the attention of a sinister cult that plans on exploiting your abilities. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy has a bad life. I love <laughs> this, though. It's rich in roleplay material. Oh, I wouldn't no. wish this fate upon anyone, though. <laughs> That's rough. So the first person you run... Okay, so he's running through the woods, naked and afraid. Uh-huh. And he comes across a traveling wagon that's all draped in black and red cloth. And he asks for help. And he doesn't even... Maybe he knows how to talk in some rudimentary way. But he communicates that he needs help. And the people driving this wagon are these cultists. And so for a couple of days, he's traveling with oh. them, unaware that they're going to um, exploit him. And then later he gets away when he understands what's happening. Oh, man. I'm imagining that that group is almost like this kind and friendly, deceptive. Uh, have you guys have seen Princess and the Frog? The uh, Facilier, I think his name is. He's like, I have not seen He's almost like yet. the voodoo witch doctor. He's like, I got friends on the other side. He's more warlocky. Um, but I imagine that as like deceptively nice, but just obviously trying to abuse you. God, what mm. a life for this sorcerer so far. <laughs> I know. All right. Uh, so this is the supernatural Mark. Uh, not to be confused with supernatural Mark Merles. Oh, he was my hero. <laughs> All right. Um, it says a sorcerer oh. at rest is almost indistinguishable from a normal person. It's only when their magic flies forth that sorcerers reveal their true nature. Even so, many sorcerers have a subtle but telling physical trait that sets them apart from other folk. So roll a d6 to determine our magical Mark. Uh, one. Your eyes are an unusual color, such as red. I think that's played out. Let's re-roll. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, because if you're a tiefling, that's that's already go already got weird. It just eyes. it goes into like that cosplay cliche that we see all the time. So. Oh, true, true. Um, that four. Four is your hair grows at a prodigious rate. That's interesting. Pro- so um, prodigious. you have this. What? What if, I imagine it's his body uh, here. Hold on, David. Oh. Uh, I've got a friend that wants to ask would. what prodigious means. Guys, we got a caller <laughs> on the phone that, that's asking about uh, what oh, yeah. prodigious <laughs> means. Prodigious means remarkably or impressively great in extent, size, or degree, or n- unnatural or abnormal. Thanks, dictionary.com. So, just, so you could say impressive or unusual. Oh, so it's. Um, so you just have like your uh, hair. Long, super long hair. So I, I could see like this bearded wizard. Oh, okay. As part of his cloning, it was a very bearded wizard, and something about the spell makes his facial hair try to get back to that length all the time. Oh, that's so. Gr- oh my god. So yeah, <laughs> he he's only like twenty, but like he <laughs> he's always has this very untamed beard. That's great. <laughs> Trying to clone <laughs> the wizard. Oh man. All right, we have one more table. I think um, most classes don't okay. get. But here we are. This is your sign of sorcery. It says, as the world well knows, some sorcerers are better than others at controlling their spell casting. Sometimes a wild display of magic gone awry emanates from a sorcerer who casts a spell. But even when one's magic goes off as planned, the act of casting is often accompanied by a telltale sign that makes it clear where the magical energy came from. Roll a d6. All right. That is a three. You sweat profusely while casting a spell, and for a few <laughs> seconds thereafter. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, weird. Maybe that's from the the alchemist trying to make you, I don't know, like spells are really hard or like taxing. I don't know, it costs a lot of effort and energy. Taxing, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, funny. I, I think that makes sense because he he's um, essentially an aberration. 
In fact, I might say that his classification is a humanoid, comma, aberration, because he's a natural. Oh, um, yeah. So it would make sense that even accessing spells, or maybe I would say a certain school of spells, uh, makes him sweat, and then maybe uh, like higher level spells cause a nosebleed. Oh, gosh. Yeah. They're super, like, hard. <gasps> oh, yeah. that's really cool. Well, this is a really cool uh, sorcerer. So <laughs> now that yeah. we know our history, um, f- both in the game and for our individual character, let's talk about the core features of the sorcerer class. Let's do it. First, you get your sorcerer's <laughs> origin, which is funny that at level one, you're really choosing your subclass. Most classes get it at level three. Um, and there are a number of them. I'll just run through them, and then we'll give... The first is the draconic bloodline, then wild magic, the divine soul, shadow magic, storm sorcerer, and giant soul. I think that by the time we go through all of these, we should pick out the one that makes the most sense for our sad, vat-grown wizard. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should do this every time where we build a character and then pick out what they should have. Oh, as we go? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking wild magic right now. Yeah, well, maybe. All right, so at level two, you get the font of magic, which allows you to tap into a deep wellspring of magic within yourself. So this is represented in the use of sorcery points, which allow you to create a variety of magical effects. So what these are going to do is they're going to allow you to have different options when casting a spell, you can kind of manipulate how you cast it. So it, it gives you this um, this flexible casting. So you can you some of the meta magic effects as they're called is uh, you can have a careful spell. Jake, usually you have strong opinions on classes. How do you feel about the sorcerer? <laughs> I, have I ever had a strong opinion on anything, <laughs> Will? <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think I mentioned this in the wizard episode. Uh, since recording the wizard episode, I've encountered some great wizards, um, and so um, yeah, I'm not I'm not as hateful against the wizard anymore. Um, but if it's someone's first time playing, I think a sorcerer is right up their alley. Um, I think a sorcerer in general uh, is a little more simpler, but you still have a lot of different choices you can make with these meta magic effects um, that Dave is going to talk about, and I think I think they're really cool. So David was describing the font of magic, the sorcery points, and how you, um, it's like a small customization that you choose early on, and that lets you uh, manipulate your spells in one of eight ways. David, you want to yeah. go through them? Yeah, so the eight different ways are you can have a careful spell, a distant spell, an empowered spell, an extended spell, a heightened spell, a quickened spell, a subtle spell, and a twin spell. Twin spell. Twin spell. Um, so... What do what does that do? What does it mean? So essentially, when you're casting a spell, it's going to have a different effect on how you can cast the spell. So when you do a careful spell, so this is kind of allowing you to protect your friends from harm. So if you cast a fireball, you're going to make pockets of space where your your tank fighter isn't going to get hit by yeah, your that's fireball. Really cool. So um, there's like a big AOE. It says you choose someone and then they succeed a saving throw. For fireball, you save for half, right? Is that right? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. So save for half. So I might make it that you can do this and then they still get a save to save for none. Oh, right? yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I do that too. All right. And then there they also have what's called distant spell, which, yeah, it allows for you to increase the range of you casting a spell. So normally if it's 60 feet, then you can double it to 120 or if it has a range of touch, you can increase it to a range of 30 feet, which is what? pretty, Spell pretty wild. Sniper. So. 
That's yes. kind of cool because even wizards can't change the effective range of spells. Yeah. But this opens up a whole new world um, of using touch spells at range. Hmm. Yeah. And the next is empowered spell. So with this, what you can do is you can re-roll the damage dice for when you cast a spell. So if you roll a bunch of ones, it's like, well, I'm going to re-roll. So that way I can huh. empower my spell so that it does more damage. Instead That's of nice. you know rolling three, fi- three ones with, on fireball, which really kind of sucks. And you can re-roll. It's like, well, there's a couple fives and a six. There we go. Very cool. There we go. Yeah, that's the damage. And then extended spell. So what this does is if it has a duration of a minute or longer, you can increase the duration to double and then maxing out at 24 hours. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What what is a spell that we would use this on? Quick and invisibility. Sleep. Sleep, invisibility. um, Fear. This could be done on a lot to just help you. Because I think a one minute is like crunch time. But if you're like trying to do a heist or something, doubling that helps wow. a lot. You know? <clears throat> Imagine fearing an enemy for 24 hours. Like they would be miles <laughs> away from you. They run as fast as they could. They'd be exhausted oh, and miles away from you. That's great. <laughs> All right. So then there is a heightened spell. So when creatures make a saving throw, you can give disadvantage against against a target to, that has to make the saving throw against the spell. So if you're trying to charm someone, you can give them disadvantage. It's almost like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That's great. This is very expensive in regards to sorcerer points, but I feel like if, if this is critical, you know, like it, if you're like the the sorcerer and saying like the Waterdeep campaign, and you're doing some heist, trying to steal something. Like heightening a spell and then extending the spell of sleep. It's like, okay, you're hope you're really trying to make them fail, and then once they do fail, you're making them sleep longer. That yeah, well, sleep, that would, sleep doesn't actually have a saving throw, points. it's just HP. Oh, you're right. Wait, sleep, you say, I, you, HP. sleep doesn't have a saving throw. Okay, but yeah, it, it works for any spell. I'm sorry for the specifics. Sure. <laughs> Forgive <laughs> us. <laughs> so then the next uh augment for your spells is a quicken spell so this instead of costing an action to cast you can spend sorcery points and make it a bonus action for casting i love that because i mean really for the rest of the game you're going to be casting most likely two spells every turn so i think um if i'm correct for the ruling on this you can't cast more than one spell a turn so if you turn one spell into a bonus action you'll only be able to cast a cantrip as your second spell i think all right and then the next is subtle spell. So you can spend a sorcery point and then not use any somatic or verbal components. So that means that you're not going to be making any hand gestures or you're not going to be saying Fusroda. Nice. It just all of a sudden. <laughs> is this really that useful? If you're trying it's to. It's useful if you're using fully. verbal and somatic components. Yeah. But I don't think. I'd say I'd wager 80% of everyone who plays 5th edition D&D does not use verbal somatic or any of it's that. not useful generally yeah I would, requirements. Useful. I would probably roll this into um another or maybe i would just give um it, whatever one you pick i would give them all a subtle spell as well or just maybe. make even like even if it's a fireball or whatever you cast is completely silent like imagine a fireball going off not causing not making any sound just oh so it makes the spell I, itself I, silent yes I tried to do the motion of it, but then I realized we're on a podcast, and uh, a silent spell is very hard to act out and get across <laughs> in an audio <laughs> Understandable. Have a nice day. All right, and then the final 
meta magic that there is is twin spell. So when you cast a spell that only targets one creature and doesn't have a range of self, you can spend sorcery points equal to the spell's level to target a second creature with that same spell. God, this is this, so is, this is probably use, the best one. Um, yeah, this for is the example, best one. chromatic orb. You can double it and then choose another target. <laughs> and then we double. I feel it. like. Twin, I feel like twinned and quickened are the ones you're going to be using the most. Um, I, on on one of the the D and D subreddits, I saw it was like, what is the best two party punch that you can imagine? Mm-hmm. Uh, like like group of two people in a party, um, and it was two uh, what's called sorcidens, which are just sorcerers, uh, multi class of paladins, um, and each one of them casts a tw- one of them casts twinned enlarge. On each other, oh and so one gosh. hits, and they both get huge, and the other one casts Twinned Haste, and they both get haste. <laughs> oh so my they, gosh. So it's just like two huge bloodlusted magic paladins, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's so good. Oh, but yeah. I want to see that. This seems like I'm a quicker. really funny finale. Yeah. But they would oh, do it like every big fight. Yeah. So see, I think g- talking about the, the sorcerer in general, I think these metamagic um, stuff you can do with sorcery points, this is what appeals to me if I want to be a blaster caster, a caster blaster. Um, I want to be able to manipulate my spells and control them and make them do cool stuff. Um, I'd much rather do that than have a, a trillion spells at my disposal that I have to choose each mm. day. You know, I'd yeah, much rather be really good at one thing. I love the idea that spells are clay in your hand, and you're always twisting and, and modifying them to fit the situation. Yeah. I like it a lot. One of my characters that I remember playing early on in 5e, like probably two months after the game came out, was a sorcerer. Unfortunately, my backstory was not great because um, I didn't have those Xanathar's tables to roll on. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> we're almost the at the end of the core features. So... Um, as you see, most of the core of the sorcerer is just your spell tweaking, and then um, the uh, the capstone ability in the core is that if you take a short rest, you get four sorcery points back, which is super helpful. That's it. And then uh, let's move into the subclasses. Jake, what is our first subclass? The first subclass we have is the Draconic Bloodline, or as Will <laughs> would say, my grandma was a dragon, I assure you. <laughs> She was. <laughs> I can prove it. So in um, the uh, in the Shrek expanded universe, donkey's children are actually okay. half donkey, half dragon. So my theory uh, is that yeah. if they are sorcerers, they are definitely draconic bloodline. Because their mom was a dragon. Oh, wow. Let's get into some deeper lore to the Shrek universe. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first. Hey, now. I mean, you are a rock star, so you're fine. Um, you pick the color of your dragon ancestor. Because there is gold, silver, bronze, and brass, right? Red, black, blue, white, and green. Um, yeah, and, and so which of those would you guys pick if you had to pick any of them? Um, I think that I would just pick the uh, – okay, well, I should explain. So depending on the color, you will get a certain type of um, damage type. You get a breath ability, and it lets you breathe this element. Um, I know that fire is like the most resistant element in the game, so I would not be a copper or uh, – brass dragon look at you min max well actually i think you can ignore or gold or brass i'll probably choose acid or lightning maybe so that gives me um blue bronze uh 
copper, black. The idea yeah, of being a black pick... dragon ancestor is great. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do bronze. That'd be a cool dragon. I I love the metallic dragons. I think they're underutilized. Um, and still having that lightning. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, doggy. In addition to having a breath weapon that's uh, that matches your type of dragon, you learn the draconic language. You have advantage in communication with that type of dragon. So if you're having a dragon-heavy campaign, it's pretty cool uh, that they're going to automatically like you a little bit more just interacting with them. And then if yeah. you're if you're a dragonborn on top of that, ooh. Mm. Wait, actually, excuse me. I don't yeah. know. Being a sorcerer does not give you a breath weapon. I was thinking of the dragonborn that does give you a breath weapon. Yes, yes. They fit together really well. It's almost yeah, for sure. It's almost like they're made for each other. You also no. get a small boost to your maximum hit points, and um, parts of your skin are covered in thin, sh- a thin sheen of dragon-like scales. So you have tougher armor just even when you're totally nude. Even when hmm. nude. I didn't know that part. I didn't Especially know you, like, take when on nude. the appearance of a dragon. Especially yeah. when nude. Would that stack up if you were a barbarian sorcerer and you were like wearing no armor? But then your core naked armor is higher. Yeah, because the bonus to AC is not that good, right? Isn't it just like it just I think keeps it you would. 13 I think it guaranteed? Would yeah, I think that um, there's some clarification on Twitter that say that these kind of bonuses don't usually stack. Oh. Um, and then you get elemental affinity. It says you add your charisma modifier to damage from your dragon's element. So if I had chosen lightning, then all my lightning spells now do additional damage, which is fantastic. Love me some lightning. Hmm. Um, you also get access to Dragon Wings, level 14. That does just what you think. You get to fly around a little bit. And then um, at level 18, you, <laughs> it says you get to channel the dread presence of your dragon ancestor, causing those around you to be frightened. Um, oh. yeah, and you also get to fly around and be scary. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It, it's very presence-based. Yeah, fly, yeah, flying helps a lot for free. Yeah, free flying. For free? Better than free falling. <laughs> let's talk about wild magic next or as i'm calling it mr toad's wild ride <laughs> this type of this subclass is for people who like rolling in random tables uh me and people yes. who like chaos uh, also me yes um so all oh, the, yeah. jake what does this mean what do the tides of chaos mean <sighs> so whenever you get a when you whenever you roll a one um so the way it is you roll for attack uh or you do a spell um and then after that, you roll, and if you roll a one, then you roll on the magic table to see what magical randomness happens to you in the wild magic table. Um, the way I changed this, the one of the or the only sorcerer in my games uh, so far was a wild magic sorcerer, and we love the wild magic table so much that we're like, let's make this on like ones and twos. No, I think we made it. What whenever you got a twenty. A nineteen or a two or a one, oh the magic God. table. Yeah, so it was happening a lot, and it was great. It it would just change things, just be unexpected. Um, so yeah, this one I've I've heard complaints about it because it's very DM dependent of how often you roll on the magic table because a lot of the wording is pretty vague of when you're supposed to roll or like when you can choose to roll. Or like when the dungeon master can choose to roll, or choose to make you roll. I, yeah, it's it's very um, DM dependent. So if you have a dungeon master who's running for like a standardized rules as written adventurers league game, they're probably going to shy away from the tides of chaos and the magic, the wild magic table. Um, 
But at a home game, you can talk to your DM and say, can I do this more or can I do this less? Just to see how much randomness is infused. Hmm. I was thinking that for our escaped VAT sorcerer, we should roll on the wild magic to see uh, what happened the first time he cast spells. So roll a D100, Jake. (laughs) That is a uh, 69. All right. It says each creature within 30 feet of you becomes invisible for the next minute. The invisibility ends on a creature when it attacks or casts a spell. So he's wandering with his traveling... Maybe that's how he escaped... He turns them invisible and then runs away. Because <laughs> he like, <laughs> what? He gets scared and he like accidentally casts a spell, but then everybody turns invisible, so he's able to sneak away. <laughs> no, but oh, no, no, because they can is, still see him. David, you, no, you're you're okay, remembering it wrong. <laughs> All right, yeah, roll again. Roll again. Okay, there's a thirty-seven. Thirty-seven gives you one d six flumps. Controlled by the DM, appear in an unoccupied space within 60 feet of you and are frightened of you. They vanish after one oh minute. <laughs> they, just, they just float away. Aren't they like spaghetti cloud monsters? Yeah, they're really they dumb. They're like a, super a small. challenge rating one-eighth. <laughs> and they can only move five feet around. These just are, imagine him running away and like not seeing people on the road who are invisible and then like trying some other thing and then uh, like five flumps. <laughs> just dissipate from him. <laughs> uh, oh, so I just see the wild magic. magic. I, I I find it to be really um, wild, questionable in its mm-hmm. usefulness because there's a lot on here that's just silly. Like for instance, um, your hair falls out but goes back within 24 hours, or you are immune <laughs> to being intoxicated by alcohol for the next five d six days, or you're frightened by the nearest <laughs> creature till the end of your next turn. Like it's not necessarily helpful. Um, occasionally, it could be like there was Dude, one that we rolled. I've seen it helpful like they were fighting this hobgoblin chieftain and he was wrecking them and then uh the uh sorcerer did this uh and got 71 you gain resistance to all damage for the next minute oh that's and it was just like that saved them that saved them um so yeah it's 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 really I don't know as someone who loves improv um and reacting to stuff um this is it was just a blast to have um, because the wild magic was just so fun. Um, I've actually had so much mm. fun with it. I included it in a random trap in uh, in the Tomb of Annihilation. Um, there was like this random well, um, and it had water. And I think the water was actually poisoned. Um, but I said the water was fine. But you have to roll on the magic table on the wild magic table whenever you drink from it. So it was just this this very strange addition. And so what they were doing, they were, like, putting it on their arrows and stuff. Um, and just, like, t- to try to get that wild magic onto someone else and just see what it would do. Because um, my group just loves improv and, and craziness. So it just... I love this stuff. I kind of do, too. The next ability you get is called Bend Luck. You can use two sorcery points to add or subtract 1d4 from anyone's role, whether they be friend or foe. Um, I think it's nice if you oh. see somebody miss by one or two points because there's a pretty good chance you'll get that on a d4 um, or just penalizing the enemy enough to miss it's really cool yeah yeah i like this um as you level up at level 14 you get controlled chaos whenever you roll on the wild magic table you just roll twice and use either number that you want which to me makes the table much more useful yes that that's when it's like oh this crazy horrible one or this one that's very beneficial (gasps) i know what i'm picking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know what I'm picking. No contest. And then the last thing you get at level 18 is um, whenever you roll 
first spell, and you roll the highest number possible on any of the dice, uh, you roll that dice again and roll it to the damage. So it's that's called exploding dice, and you get a chance to have kind of this rolling um, increase to damage. It's really cool, and it's pretty chaotic. Oh, also, what, pretty why wild. is it called exploding dice? Is that like a thing I don't know about? Um, that's what they call it in Savage Worlds because in that game, every single dice would explode if you roll the highest number on it. So theoretically, you have like an improvised weapon, and it's like D four damage, but you roll a four on it, and you roll another four. You know, and it just keeps going and going. So theoretically, oh, wow. if you've got a, a lucky streak, then you're hitting for like 20 damage with something that was only supposed to do up to four. Oh, wow. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is all of what we have for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I mean, the Wild Magic subclass. <laughs> Next up, we have the Divine Soul Sorcerer. I'm calling it a Spark of the Divine. The Divine Soul gains access to additional cleric spells based on... So this is interesting because it's not tied to your alignment, but it uses alignment type language. So um, listen to this, uh. Jake. It says, you, your link to the divine allows you to learn spells from the cleric class. When your spellcasting feature lets you learn or replace a sorcerer cantrip or a sorcerer's spell, you can choose from the cleric list instead. However, um, you have an affinity for your source of divine power, good, evil, law, chaos, or neutrality. And uh, you get one spell from depending on what you choose. So you can choose any cleric huh. spell, in, in summary. You choose any spell when you level up, and then also you always will have access to the spell that is based on this alignment type idea. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I might huh. make the character choose based on their alignment, because that makes sense. Like, why would a lawful good person yeah. choose, like, a chaotic or an evil spell? Yeah, that that's cool. I like this this thematically as the, the classical sourced in. You know, I feel like a paladin <laughs> and a divine soul sorcerer kind of mesh together really well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition, your divine soul gets favored by the gods. Um, if you fail a roll, you can roll 2d4 and add it to the total, which might change your outcome. God, that's insane. Wait, how often can you do that? Um, you get that at? Once every short or long rest. Okay. And then what but, level? I mean, if you f- at level one, you're going to have that as soon as you uh, make sure oh, you start playing. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Damn, that's so goody good. Goody. It's just an it's an average of four, you know, uh, increase. So I think if um, once again, this is good for if you miss just by a small margin. They're like, well, no, I'm favored. I probably, I probably got this. I'm favored. <laughs> uh, at level six, you get empowered healing. Um, it says whenever an ally near you tries to heal, uh, you can spend a sorcery point and let them re-roll any number of the dice. So if they feel like they got a low roll on their heel, you're like, no, you are empowered, my son. So and good. yeah. And that's uh you can use this feature only once per turn. So this is always going to be used as long as you have points you're willing to spend. But it costs a sorcery point, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. That's really good. It's really good. It's funny because it's I don't know of any other effects in the game off the top of my head where it's not really a healing spell, but it improves other people's healing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like healing buffs. Yeah. Um, at level 14, you have otherworldly wings. Jake, give me a flying guess about what this does. Uh, let me... Uh, oh, this probably this probably gives you bonus uh, speed when you're digging underground. Right? <laughs> so close. Uh, wrong. It, it lets you fly. <laughs> it lets you fly. It gives you a pair of spectral wings. So you have a flying feet, speed of 30. 30 feet. Oh, this 30 reminds feet. me of the, the, the World of Warcraft paladin. Uh, 
when they do their their divine i can't remember what it's called but it gives you wings you can't fly but it's like these golden wings oh yeah it was like, like some big cool. like long cooldown move the wings yeah, pop out of big you. buff that was cool yeah and then uh at level 18 you get unearthly recovery and it makes you just a lot harder to kill um if you have less than half of your hit points you can regain a number of hit points equal to half your max hit points so if you have 20 oh my and you're gosh. below 10, you can regain 10. How often 10. can you do that? Uh, you can use it once every long rest. Dang, that's super good. That's though. good. I and mean, that could be enough that's to change the tide of battle. Good. This is a really good support class. It oh my is. god. And like, yeah. Not to mention, you're, you're sculpting your spells to do all the things you want. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, like that with... Yeah, if you had some good healing... Oh my gosh. And if you have um, the law spell, which is bless, you could twin bless. Uh, and every casting of bless targets three creatures. So you can bless six now with one casting. Wow. Uh, no. I don't, that, that oh, look at him. Like that. It would only... Look at him. It's only when you target He's one gotcha. creature. So you'd be able to qu- twin cure wounds, but not bless. Because it would Oof, only twin gotcha, one will. fraction of the spell. What? I don't. That's not how I would interpret that's that. That's how it works because that's how it worked with Scorching Ray. Hmm. I mean, it says it in the rules. Well, I Alexa, this is sad. <laughs> Alexa, play Despacito. All right, uh, we're moving away out of the Divine Soul and into Shadow Magic. Or Ooh, from the depths I come. I come to eat you. Spooky, guys. Too spooky. Ooh. I'm too scared. Oh, help. Why? Why didn't we release this one for Halloween? This is way spookier than skeletons. Okay, stop. <laughs> Those pony boys don't got nothing on this shadow boy. Okay, let's cut that out, Jake. Um, so shadow it's magic. Stay good. For shadow magic, it says you're a creature of shadow. For your innate magic comes from the shadow fell itself. So in some way, your ancestry uh, ties you back there. Maybe you're the Underdog. descendant of a drow. Fits, yeah. That's what um, I'm really excited um, for this one because this is what uh, one of my guys is being for the. I haven't read these very closely, uh, so I'm kind of on a little journey of discovery myself. Um, also, Jake, we have yeah, more I'm random excited. tables or a random table. This is your shadow sorcerer quirk. So roll a d6 to I determine uh, d6 is to determine five. your five. Captain Quirk, isn't that a Star Trek guy? I believe it is. All right, okay. uh, it says you have five. trouble remembering that living creatures and corpses should be treated differently. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, gross. Very gross. That could be determined. That could be interpreted in a lot of ways. Either you yeah. you view kind of in the Doctor Manhattan sense of a human body and or a living body and a dead body have the same number of atoms. Why should I care? Or mm-hmm. or like the opposite, where it's like, no, 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 he's alive, even though it's like a zombie. <laughs> like it could be interpreted either way. He's got feelings. <laughs> All right, so the first thing you get for Shadow Magic is you get access to some new, um, one new spell, actually. So first you unlock Eyes of the Dark, which gives you dark vision up to 120 feet. Um, At third level, this ability upgrades, so now you can cast Darkness. Um, And then furthermore, if you cast it using Sorcery Points, you can see through that darkness. So it's like a little bubble of, uh, of shadow. Also at level one, you get Strength of the Grave. I think that this one is the most level one starting abilities. This is great. Strength of the Grave. Um, this one is the one that actually makes you harder to kill. Uh, whenever you drop to zero health, you make a certain saving throw based on the damage you've taken. And if you succeed, you go to one health instead. 
uh, and it recharges mm. every long rest. So um, this reminds me of Diablo 3, where each class has like a little uh, cheat death kind of ability that triggers when you when you should be dead. Um, I think in Jake's world where there's oh, a resurrection, yeah. this is super handy. Handy dandy. Yes. And the fact you get it at level 1 is really a good bet. Yeah. Oh, but the damage taken. Oof. Yeah. It's like, damage. oh, you took 43 <laughs> damage. DC. <laughs> it's DC like, well, it's a... Can't roll a 40. DC 48. <laughs> uh, 48, yeah, okay. Uh, at 6th level, you gain the Hound of Ill Omen. There's a lot of rules for this, but all you have to know is that it lets you summon a spooky magical dog that attacks your enemies and can walk through walls. A, a spooky good boy. A, this is super cool. I, I like this, but I like reflavoring it as something other than a hound. You know, like you could make it like an eldritch horror that just attacks ew. with its tentacles, or you could make it um, so, some a creepy monkey? huge raven. <laughs> a monkey? What the? <laughs> Mine would be a monkey uh, with tentacles but, for arms, and I'd call him Slappy. Slappy. Okay. <laughs> slappy Tappy. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it, yeah. Maybe Slurpee. Slurpee. I can Ew. go for Slurpee right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, level one, or sorry, at level fourteen. <laughs> yeah. it, that monkey's always slushed. <laughs> at level fourteen, you unlock Shadow Walk, and unless you just teleport between shadows, hundred and twenty feet. That's uh, dim that's, light or yeah. darkness. That's how they define a shadow. That's a bonus that's action. Really good. Super nice. All right, and then finally, yeah. the ultimate ability is Umbral Form. Umbral is another word for shadow. I guess they didn't want to use the word shadow, so the source to the rescue. Uh, <laughs> umbral Form, um, you turn into a shadowy version of yourself. You have resistance to all damage except Force and Radiant, which I mean that means that he's weak to Jake and David. Ooh. And then you can move through <laughs> other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take damage if you end your turn inside of an object. Note that, oh, weird. Note that it... It doesn't kill you, so you could stop inside of a wall, just soak the five damage, and then pop out the next turn and start casting again. Yeah, I I like the logic of you stopping inside another person. You both take force damage. Oh right. yeah, that that makes sense to me. You're like a, a powerful <laughs> ghost, shadowy ghost. <laughs> Power, yeah, a manifesting ghost. That's cool. Man, great. And I would say if you died in that form, like truly died, then you would be a ghost. <laughs> and your body is stuck in whatever yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think in Harry Potter they called it uh, splenching when you teleport inside of a wall Oh, it's not a fun day Oof. it's nobody's favorite afternoon alright next is the storm <laughs> sorcerer I call it flashes of lightning rolls of thunder because uh, they use every storm related word you can think of so I had to come up with my <laughs> uh, the first is you get wind speaker you get to read write and speak the primordial language which is most likely useless, but very flavorful. Unless you're doing a lot of elemental interaction. Yeah. Uh, tempestuous magic. Um, it makes little windy uh, tornadoes follow you around. Um, Jake, can you guess what it gives you? Got oh, wind related. This has got to be the one. This has got to be the dig dig one. So so yeah, the wind brings up the dirt, and you can like dig really quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so close so close it actually just lets yes. you fly <laughs> oh, <okay>. 10 feet. <laughs> it's only 10 feet so it's like a little hop skip and a jump where is the um, earth sorcerer that gives bonus dig speed that gives that dig is what speed. i want are you listening merles the people want it <laughs> the people are calling for dig speed. Uh, 
All right. Um, next, you would get oh. the heart of the storm. Unless you re- okay, get ready to hear this a lot. You resist thunder and lightning damage, and when you cast a spell that deals lightning or thunder damage, you explode within ten feet more lightning and thunder damage. Ooh. Oh, so okay. I need this is very important and is relevant to our our opening question about okay what is the difference between thunder and lightning damage? Thunder is sound, and lightning wouldn't is that electricity. Be force, wouldn't wouldn't thunder be force damage? It's yeah, basically. Like what's the difference between yeah. what's the difference between thunder and force then? Um, I don't think I think force is um force is in D and D as magic is in the Marvel universe. It's just sort of like this undefined thing. That should be categorized Plot differently. Magic. So, like, Thunder Wave does force damage, and it knocks back. Doesn't Wait, it do it d- Thunder Wave thunder doesn't damage? do thunder damage? No. Oh, I gotta There's no this. way that's true. Yeah, I'm writing my morals. You wanna bet? All right, the end of Beyond is opening. I really wanna know. There's no way. Thunder Wave. Thunder Wave does A, a wave of force thunderous damage. force pushes out. Uh, could you take 2d8 thunder damage? Wait, what? It's hey! so great, oh, David. My God. I love how it says force, too. <laughs> oh. It no, also says not force. Many, not many things do force damage. Um, and Nothing I really, does, really... Yeah. Well, see, so... Um, I, I've told you this about my, my warlock in my games, who's now in high-level NPC. Um, he, once they completed the Tomb of Annihilation, he lost... His warlock powers, because that was all the warlock was being his patron for, was to stop the 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 tomb annihilation. Um, so he picks up the staff, which is Morden Kanan, who grants him all of his uh, all of his powers back. But instead, they now do instead of necrotic damage, do force damage. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see because yeah, no one has resistance to force damage. There, um, there is no spell that does force damage, at least not according to this website I'm on interesting so i'm excited to see because i explained it basically it's like this deep navy blue almost magic bubbly missile. magic that just like expands out outward and just force damage um so i'm 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 interested to see that all right so that was um your heart of the storm next is storm guide which i believe would also be known as a weatherman it says a limited degree <laughs> Of weather control is granted within a 20-foot sphere around you. So you can affect the direction of the wind and the rain. And so does that mean if you have a like a storm soul sorcerer fighting a um, fighting a wizard, the sorcerer is the weatherman and the wizard is the meteorologist because he's casting meteor swarm? <laughs> okay. What a what an is, exciting I've never thought about boring how sounding quick I can cut something out. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, all right, so we're moving on. Next oh is, my God. Next is the Storm's Fury. When you're hit in melee, you can use your reaction to deal lightning damage, and you have a chance to push the enemy 20 feet away from you. So it's the classic, oh, cool. uh, don't touch me, Con- kind of zap. <laughs> Concussive boof. <laughs> Oof. Uh, and then the last one you get is Wind Soul. It says you are now immune to lightning and thunder damage. You gain a magical flying speed. Not resistant, feet. immune. You're completely immune now. Yeah. You wow. are more wow. storm than man. <laughs> more storm than man. <laughs> and um, so in addition to gaining a flying speed of 60, you can give other creatures a flying speed of 30, but now you also have a flying speed of 30. So you give half of your wings, oh, I guess, cool. half of your speed. To no, someone. no, no. It'd be imagine he's storm. just riding on a I imagine tornado. it's like, yeah, he's like pulling them up with the, with the storm itself. 
That's so, really cool. That's so they're just cool. like riding around a little I like tornado. the idea that they it's a lack of control though. Like they can't yeah. really control. They have to roll <laughs> to see what direction they go. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then the final class, this is an unearthed arcana and is currently not in the official rules, is called the Giant Soul. Um, so uh, I think Mike Merles designed this live on the uh, Mike Merles Happy Hour. He did. I watched him do it. And it's really cool. The idea is that your ancestor was a giant. So you have the soul of a giant and all your magic is kind of making that come out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the first at level one, uh, you get Jotun, Jotun Resilience. Uh, your hit point maxes increase by one and one again every time you gain a level in this class. So that's an extra 20 hit points in the course of your lifetime. Also at level one, you get Mark of the Ordning, which is a giant thing if you know the lore. Um, it says at first level, you discover innate magical abilities within yourself that are based on your giant heritage. So you select a type of giant. Jake, please read the giant types. Oh, so it's like uh, the dragon. Um, it's kind of like the Yeah, dragon. but with giants. Oh, okay, okay. So I want to be D&D a metal giant. So here's here's what I see. Uh, so we have a metal. Gi- oh wait, no, we don't. David, stop. Uh, we have a cloud. <laughs> uh, we have a cloud giant, which sounds a little dainty. Uh, we have a fire giant, a frost giant, a hill giant, a stone giant, and a storm giant. So each of these grant a almost like a cantrip, um, like a free mm-hmm. cantrip at level one. Um, so you get some some minor spells based on the the giant type, and then you get another free spell at third level that is much, uh, you know, a, a decent spell. Um, so this is interesting. So it's it's kind of the same thing as the draconic bloodline, just flavored with giants. This could be really cool with like a Goliath yeah. sorcerer or something. Uh, yeah. So for example, if you were to pick a frost giant at first level, you gain the armor of Agathis which is like a cold armor spell, and you gain Ray of Frost, which is a nice, uh, it's a decent ranged attack spell. And then at level three, because you get something at one and three, at level three you get Hold Person, and I would flavor that definitely to be like stuck in ice. Yeah, it's like shards of ice come up and hold them down. So cool. Um, And then they're all uh, similar in that vein, so take a look at that. Yeah. Um, Next is the Soul of Lost Astoria. Um... This gives you a bonus ability based on your giant background. So once again, if we were to have chosen Frost, um, it says immediately after you cast any of your Mark of Ordning spells, which is those three I mentioned before, you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. But if the spell is Armor of Agathis, you instead increase its temporary hit points by an amount equal to your constitution modifier. Interesting. So um, usually I don't see abilities tie in so specifically with like like a one spell choice um but these are all sort of i would call it like a passive buff you get when you um when Just you cast a little, a spell. little flavor for your flavor yeah it's nice nice stuff and then uh next you get the rage of fallen astoria you spend a spell slot to increase your size by one category this makes me very oh, happy man. very <laughs> happy one category okay so is there any way is there a large playable character like, is a Goliath um, a considered large? Goliath, I think. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Is I it Goliath that large? Really, I think Goliath's medium. They're stingy medium. with that. Are like... Because the, the centaur should have been a large, but they made it not. Uh, because they want people to be able to ride I on feel it. like... So, let's go look. 
I feel like a centaur should be medium, but I Goliath could be large. Here's yes. the thing. They're very obvious. Yeah. If they say you can increase your size by one category, imagine going from large to gargantuan. That would be insane. You'd be like Goliaths are also medium. 70 feet tall. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. You would go to large. Um because yeah. there's no large playable characters. Um Oh man, this is interesting. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to imagine like someone being large. So okay, you're in size and your size increases by one category. What if you are already enlarged and then you do this? Would you go to gargantuan? Absolutely. So that would be what like I, after this be, like seventy five feet. Tall. I saw articles of people like hacking together how to become like a size um, gargantuan. <laughs> it takes a lot of focus and coordination with the group but it can be done and then you're like this godzilla um like oh power ranger God, i imagine like you're fighting a tarrasque and you just you increase your barbarian to the size of a tarrasque and he's just like just wrestling grab him by the horns yeah oh, i by love the horns and just and yeah. swing him around you're wrecking like the countryside i'm gonna wrestle you real good tarrasque and he just slams <laughs> it <laughs> oh, I'm gonna really throw fun. you into the oh. void. <laughs> oh, this is, this, how much fun we've had with just the rage oh. of Fallen Astoria. But I think the whole class was really. I think he probably started with this idea of just being giant, and then he built everything else around it. And um, so yeah, I'll finish the sure, last. You guys need to go watch Mike Merle's Happy Fun Hour. It's great. Yeah, um, I, I definitely will. Um, so I'm gonna finish out this with the blessing of the All Father. Increases your Constitution score by two up to a maximum of 22. In addition, you may now use Rage of Fallen Astoria twice between rests, but no more than once on a turn. Oh, oh man. so this means at level 18, you can increase your size by two categories in two turns, and then you can cast like okay. a larger reduce on yourself. <laughs> okay, so I'm 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 trying to think of. The best level 20 character, because one of the guys in my group is thinking about doing a level 21 shot, and I cannot think of a better option than a level 18 uh, giant soul sorcerer with two levels of barbarian. Can you imagine <laughs> raging as a gargantuan creature? It would be insane. Yeah. Is, is there a size category above gargantuan in this game? I don't think there is. But but to be logical, like you cannot go from nothing starts at large. So it'd be if you could do this twice over two turns, so it would be you go to medium to large, then you go from large to gargantuan. So the, the biggest you can get is gargantuan, so the math still checks out. But hmm. imagine raging at that level and still having sorcery points, just be like Oh, that'd be insane. I would have somebody else like cast titan. haste on my sorcerer barbarian. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so you're berserk really, giant and fast. It's literally it's just it's just buffing Godzilla at that point. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's like a support party for Godzilla. <laughs> Dude, I'm just imagining like countries going to war and they just buff up one person. Oh my god. And they're just like oh, they're yeah. all it's just like Titans like, fighting each other. Yeah. So you're just like having like the yeah. war of the Titans. That's pretty fun. Oh, that's Maybe awesome. there's a legend in your world oh, about that happening. And oh. People thought they were gods, but it was just like this stupid arms oh, race. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's where those wow. giant swords and stuff come from. It's just like it was just people like making themselves really oh, big. God. Oh, like and in so some there's always this games, like you see like a corpse in the mountains. It's yeah. like the size of a mountain, and that's all that was. <laughs> and that's all that oh, was. Yeah. So it was. 
That's oh, great. It's really funny. That's great. Oh, man. So that concludes all okay. of the subclasses for the Sorcerer. Got any thoughts? Any observations, Jake? Uh, I th- I f- yeah, I find them really flavorful. I-, I don't really know if I'd want to play a Sorcerer. You know, it's not high on my list. But I'm, I'm very, very, very excited. Um, like I said, I have a Shadow shadow Sorcerer uh, in my Waterdeep campaign. Um, and he's more of the min-maxing type, so I'm very interested to see how he manipulates Shadow um, and teleports through it and comes back from the grave. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see more Sorcerers in my games. All right, so <laughs> how can we improve the Sorcerer? Hmm... I, I've heard a lot of complaints. The it. first, uh, the first complaint I've heard is that there is no pure arcane sorcerer. Like hmm. there isn't someone that just like uh, can blast people better. I feel like the the closest one to that is wild magic, and that's a little too chaotic for some mid maxers. Um, yeah, I don't know. What would David? You probably got some uh, some some scathing review. Um, let's see. All right, so. Two, two of my criticisms of the Sorcerer, one of them is their spell list is rinky-dinky. Mm. <laughs> but it's it's Ooh. not, they don't have a lot of spells that they could choose from compared to like the wizard class, for example. And I also feel uh-huh. that the Sorcerer is not as unique as it could be from the wizard class. Like as a full caster, mm. I feel like the wizard sets the baseline and... I would have liked to see the meta magic be a little more interesting. If they're gonna, if you're meta. gonna have the, um, if you're gonna have the sorcerer be focused on altering spells, I wish there was more about the spells that you could alter. Like what? Huh. So like, like let's say you have like a spell like Burning Hands, which kind of sucks at higher levels. Like I wish that you could do more to alter it in a manner that would be like your Burning Hands like shoots like way further, so- or it's like hotter, or. You have magic missiles that shoots really big missiles, hmm. and it's like you're altering spells in interesting ways. And maybe See, you have so like this is why some sort of like starting I, signature spell or something. Yeah, I don't. That, okay, so exactly that. I don't think they should have their full like expanded new personal spell list, like for the sorcerer sure. class itself. But I exactly. think there should be something they should do with cantrips, uh, because cantrips. I feel like maybe the sorcerer. Because when I think of a sorcerer, I think of like a firebender, and they're never going to run out of yeah. fire, right? So I feel like no. they should have somehow like a way to just boost their cantrips to where they can always do something really well, um, and and have like maybe a, a, their own cantrip list of like mega cantrips that are locked at different levels that cost no spells. Or spell through meta magic, like yeah, just amping up, yeah. Amping up cantrips, yeah. I feel like that'd be a good way um, because cantrips feel like a a very sorcerer thing, right? Because they're kind of inherent Mm -hmm. and free and you could do it it as many times as you want. Um, So yeah, maybe upping the cantrip somehow, but that's the only really thing, like my only real gripe. Other than that, like, yeah, it's a good class. It's fun. It's a a good multi-class as well. Mm-hmm. Like adding meta magic to any other class is phenomenal and can be a load of fun. Yeah. All right. What about background selection? If we're building our sorcerer. I think the sorcerer can fit into any uh, background, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's like you're born with this magic. So it's like any part of society that you're born into that you have magic in will work. 
You could be a folk hero. You could be an urchin. You could be a criminal. You could be a noble. You could be a, a warrior. Yeah. It, like, it's it, very it robust. So yeah, it's it kind can of fit the, a lot uh, of things. It's the jack of all trades of backgrounds. Where it can jack of all kinda, backgrounds. You can just shove it in wherever. <laughs> and you can quote David on that. <laughs> Please don't. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, the sorcerer fits well in a lot of backgrounds. I think the main thing you'd want to focus on for the roleplay elements of the background is... You didn't choose to be born with this ability, right? Like, this. like, yeah, you didn't. And so this power should be both a blessing and a curse. Um, and I want to see the ramifications of a player that is struggling to control their powers and dealing with the negative side effects. Because, you know, if you read X-Men comics or, you know, watch the X-Men movies, like mutants a lot of times wish they were just normal people. And they, they don't like being special. Um, and so really leaning into that, like, this is both a blessing and a curse. Um, I didn't choose to be born this way. Can have a lot of kind of angst, but also some some cool character arcs um, in the future. Oh, I love so I'd lean good into angst. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of X-Men, I definitely could see a sorcerer that's just modeled after Jean Grey, the Phoenix. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Who just is so powerful and uncontrollable mm-hmm. that um, she's a danger to everybody. Dark Phoenix coming yeah. to theaters this winter. Here you go. Oof. No, no, I, or, I like no. the idea of of your powers, or like your psyche being affected by your powers. So if you're like this yeah, mega yeah. super good fire sorcerer, you should have a hot temper. Um, you should Ooh. you should have to like really try not to murder people that, that make you mad. Like, like ha- there's a lot of opportunities for role play with that inherentness, the innateness of your power. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now who should play a sorcerer? Anybody that likes to cast spells. But doesn't like to choose spells all day. But doesn't like to choose spells. Yeah. It, it, so, so introductory people who are like, I want to be a spellcaster. I want to be a wizard. Be like, okay, buddy, can I direct you to the sorcerer? Because you can tell the people who are like, ready to delve into 5e as a system and it's like okay you can be a wizard but the people who are just like i want to blast i want to blast people it's like okay you i want to blast <laughs> be, be a got a blast <laughs> no, those people should be uh sorcerers that they, they they just want to do damage and make a few interesting decisions but they don't have to make like a ton of clerical decisions on like which of their billion spells to pick for the day, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I also think players that have a very concise theme, like a narrow uh, concept of like, okay, I know what I want to be, I know my background, I know this. Here are my powers. That fits really well for a sorcerer. Um, it's almost mm-hmm. like a superhero origin story, yeah. um, where someone's like, okay, I have this and this and this, and this happened, and it made me like this. And I've been born with this or whatever, all that can lead into a really good origin story. Like I think sorcerer's strength is their origin story. Um, so people who have a really good background um, or like a good theme or concept to roll with, I think they could be great sorcerers. I agree with that. Blaster boys. <laughs> Blast them. All right. Okay. So uh, to finish off this episode, 
what are some sorcerer character concepts that you guys have? Let's hear them. Hmm. So, would we be upset if I multiclassed a sorcerer into a warlock for oh my, my for the sake of my backstory? Oh, so, weird. it's a person who um, they wake up and they have powers. They weren't born with it, but they have them later in life. Um, and around level five or six, you class into warlock and you meet this patron for the first time. And I would, as a GM, I would try to work with them and have part of the adventure be them, like, introducing this new um, malevolent presence who's trading oh. more power. Because the sorcerer is more limited in their their the depth of selection. So, so is your sorcerer, like, power-hungry? And he's like, how can I get better? How can I get better? Because that sorcerer, because like with wizards, it's just like study harder. But with the sorcerer, mm-hmm. it's like, how do I get more powerful? How do I get more powerful? You know, and then like some random patron approaches you and says, I can make you way stronger, boy. I really like that concept of like, because sorcerers, when I think of it, like in general, sorcerers should be kind of power hungry and kind of prideful. Right? Because leveling up requires increasing your powers. But also, you didn't have to study for this. You didn't have to learn anything. This is who you are. And there's a lot of, like, kind of vice. There's a lot of potential to be arrogant and prideful with, like, I'm inherently powerful. I didn't have to study any stupid spell books. This is who I am. I was meant to be this powerful. And there's a lot of opportunity there for pride and conceit and just power hungry nature. Yeah. I love this. Uh, so that's my idea. It was my, uh, probably suboptimally multi-class narratively, <laughs> excellently multi-class character. Oh. Jake, what's your idea? <laughs> um, so I have two. So, so one is kind of, um, I know the amnesia plot is a little, uh, is a little overused, um, but I saw, so I was looking up random tables a few years ago for, for one of my campaigns, just to, just to have a few random tables for random encounters. Um, and one encounter was you're walking down the road and a person falls to the earth and slams into the road like a meteor. And the person wakes up, is totally fine, but has no memory of who he was or where he's from or what his name is, or anything. I really like that idea as, like, for a sorcerer. Like, he has this inherent power, but he has no idea who he is, no idea where he's from, Um, and it gives you a lot of opportunities to work with the dungeon master um, Mm -hmm. to be able to determine, like, oh, you could make my people from my past show up here, or stuff like that. Um, I, I really like that concept. I feel like amnesia and, like, you know, figuring out your powers can work for a sorcerer. Um, and the other little thing I had was like, maybe like a, kind of have a sci-fi twist to it. Like, um, what do you think of Spider-Man? Like Spider-Man, uh, his, his web slingers are, okay. I got, I got to do a little rant. My issue oh with kind of a lot of the Marvel universe is both Iron Man and Spider-Man are inherently geniuses, but their technology can be mass produced There should be, like, dozens of Spider-Men, and there should be, like, thousands upon thousands of Iron Men. And, you know, because it's, like, it's not inherent to who they are. They're just, they they really, um, unless unless it was the Spider-Bite Spider-Man. But, like, I really like the idea of someone inheriting or finding 
some sci-fi implant that all your spells come from or finding some sci-fi equivalent of a wand that just does a ton of stuff um and so basically all your power comes from this wand that that could be some sci-fi almost looking gun looking thing so yeah um, i was gonna have it for really mine cool. mine was gonna be oh yeah go a, ahead go ahead it would be a, a like a mad max style world and you you, you have tattoos and you get you're constantly getting tattoos yes, to like yes. increase your like magic ability. So you're just like this crazy war yeah. boy who just has all <laughs> these like magical tattoos that allow him to cast spells. And so the spells are literally tattooed on you, and maybe you yeah. have to like touch that part of your your flesh to activate it or something. Yeah. Like, oh, that's super cool. Going back to yeah. Jake's idea about implants being the source of spells, um, you can kind of see this in a movie called John Carter. Um, where there are these apparently like god oh, yeah. beings, uh, it's like a, tr- a bunch of bald guys in robes um, called Thermans, Um and they possess magic. But then you later learn they really just have the best technology in on Mars. Um, but it's anyway visually uh, really cool. I love the blending of sci-fi and magic. Yeah, there could be some cool stuff done there. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame that John Carter. Um, and I, I also like. To, I also like the sorcerer because all this inherentness seems to come from their bloodline or who there are. There's this prophecy for this great sorcerer, and all, you know, I love the idea of just this sorcerer. His power is inherent, but maybe it was like a gun he found, or maybe it was like some sort mm-hmm. of magic stuff that attached to him. And so it's like this is just you know happenstance that he got this this magical ability, and how does he deal with it? Maybe so. Maybe yeah. there was like some weird insect, like a spider, that bit him. Mm. Oh yeah. Maybe, oh yeah. And only he, he could swing like um, with webs that he attaches to yeah. skyscrapers. Yeah, in he, New York he City. like webs or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. We call him like Weber Boy or something. I want this to end. <laughs> I also want to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think those are some pretty good concepts. Let's move into the question vault. Welcome to the Question Vault. Every week we answer one of your questions. Uh, you can submit your questions to voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. This week we heard from Ben Hamilton, who said, Hey, I was thinking of running a campaign for a few friends of mine who haven't played D&D before, and was wondering what pre-made would be a good place to start. Is there anything I should have them look at beforehand to come prepared to play? This is a, um, a variation of a question we've gotten a few times before, uh, but if you're looking at specifically pre-mades, I would personally suggest The Lost Minds of Fandelver, or the as I Lost say it, Mines. Fandelvar. Or Fandelver. Wait, is that the, is that the, 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 the 5e starting yeah. one? The beginner starting box, box adventure. Beginner yes. box. Huh. That, yeah, yeah, that box I, I don't know. costs nothing, and it comes with everything you need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I haven't played it. I'd actually be very eager to just try it out. Um, but hmm. yeah, it's hard like for pre-mades, like, do you want specifically pre-mades or do you want just how to get someone into D and D? Um, and it depends on the person, right? Cause if you're inviting like, oh, this is all my spouse's friends and they're just very not Normies. nerty, <laughs> Norm- they're not a, a Dungeons and Dragons type Normies. group. Um, you're going to want to ease them in. You really don't want to hand him a character sheet that says, Your name is Grog Mc- McMartin, and you're from the, the, the Stone Orc clan. It's like, okay, slow down. You want them, you really <laughs> want to ease them in to role-playing, or to, to Dungeons and & Dragons, and it takes another leap. Um, shameless plug, 
for uh, our five dollar uh, a month patron reward, but the PDF for the um, super random is really really good for this. It's for introducing people um, to just what role playing is, right? Because because it's kind of confusing. Like if you tell a uh, as Will would say, uh, normie, like let's do role playing tonight. <laughs> just weird right like they're like what what is that i don't what are you trying to say to me (laughs) um but but if you say let's play a superhero game you're good to go and you can you can really get your foot in the door that way um so yeah uh super random is great for that um any basic um i'm trying to think of other i don't know of any other like 5e pre-mades or pre-made adventures, but can you guys think of board games or something that could get people like in the door to role-playing? Oh, absolutely. And I think board games are a great way to do that. Um, but before I move on to that, I want to mention that if you want to hear more about getting regular people to play role-playing games, go listen to our episode 17, which is our interview with Michael and Steven Stagliano, because um, their whole mission is to get regular people excited for D&D. Oh, they're, yes. They're, yes. They're definitely doing the Lord's work in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as for as for beginning adventures that are pre-made, um, Lost Minds of Fandelver is good. I'm sure you can find stuff online that is really good. Um, but I mean, you, the listeners have heard this advice before. Just go watch Critical Role and see what you like and don't like, and then get other people excited for it, and then just play something like that. Party it up. I think. Yeah, I think party the main thing. <laughs> I think the main thing is we worry so much about like, will they have a fun time? I think what's more important is having a designated game night. Mm-hmm. Um, once you do that, you can start being more creative and exploring way more interesting um, and creative board games and stuff like that. Um, I think the importance of, I don't, I don't want to get on a soapbox too much, but the importance of D&D and role-playing games in general is to have a night where you can have an excuse to have fun with your friends. Where you can look at someone who says, hey, you want to go to the bar tonight? Or, hey, can you do this? Help me out tonight? Be like, sorry, I this is game night. Like, I can't. Like, you need to, like, just one single day a week set aside. Um, not even day. Just, like, a few hours in the nighttime of one day of, of one week. Um, that you can kind of have a routine of, like, I am allowed to have fun with my friends once a week. Um, I think that's very important to set up. And then once that starts happening, yeah, you can start exploring some crazy stuff. And that bond of being together repeatedly, they will be more likely to explore Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games or stuff that they never could imagine themselves doing prior, you know? I totally agree, Jake. You stay up on that soapbox um, as long as you need to. (laughs) Uh, I would say if you want to use the board game route to get people into it, um, you can play Descent um the oh, star yeah. wars imperial assault game you could play mansions of madness these are all a four versus one house like on haunted Crawl hill experience yeah betrayal of house on the hill is, is like a board Betra- game yeah it's a fun one role-playing and, and betrayal is not very expensive and they have a dungeons and dragons version of it called betrayal in Baldur's gate oh, there you go yes yeah, yeah i need to get that so definitely go play that and test the waters with your friends uh, even Sweet. my wife agrees that that game is fun Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana, episode 30. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at Vox Arcana Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram is at Vox Arcana Podcast. And you can email us any of your questions at Podcast at gmail.com.